Chapter 14 Gustav woke up to darkness. He untangled himself from blankets and sat up. Where was he? His heart rate settled into a steady rhythm as his eyes adjusted and he realized he was in his room. Familiar sounds washed over him. Bird songs. Wind in the trees. People bustling through the hallways. Normally Gustav slept with the curtains open so he would wake with the sun, but someone had pulled the thick velvet drapes closed last night. Probably trying to ensure he would sleep in. Gustav swung his legs over the edge of the bed and groaned. His whole body was stiff, and his head ached. What had happened? Right. Kraken. Blasted dark magic. He stood and stretched out the stiffness in his muscles. All things considered, he felt better than expected. He opened the curtains and blinked in the sunlight. It was still fairly early. He could make it to breakfast if he hurried. Meals were the one time he could count on his family and council being in the same place and relatively undistracted. If he wanted to arrange another search party for his father, breakfast would be the best place to start the conversation. Gustav pulled on a robe and opened his door. It crashed into a servant standing outside his room. Oh! Good morning, Your Majesty. Gustav's eyes narrowed. Did they station you here to watch me? The servant bowed. Dowager Queen Bernadine gave orders that you should sleep in as late as you could and were not to be disturbed. I'm to summon Dr. Batiste as soon as you wake. That won't be necessary. I feel fine. Her Highness's orders, Your Majesty. Gustav considered this for a moment, then shrugged in surrender. As partial king, his orders should take precedence over the Dowager Queen's. In reality, servants were much more likely to listen to her. He could probably convince the servant to ignore orders, but not without a great deal of effort. And then he would have to explain to his grandmother why he had refused to see the doctor. Gustav didn't feel like fighting that battle today. He returned to his room and dressed for the day. Then he passed the time reviewing the enormous stack of paperwork on his desk. Marquis Corbo wasn't wrong when he said that the partial kingship created a lot of extra work. Multiple people had to approve and sign each edict. Gustav Reed and signed several building permits for repairs to the harbor, then picked up Marquis Corbo's proposed gala budget. Or rather, a request for more funds for the gala. The event was in three days. How could the Marquis have incurred so many extra expenses at the last minute? Gustav looked closer at the itemized list in the report. Ten formal gowns. White shoes in every size available. A deposit on lilies, with the balance to be paid on delivery. The Marquis was sneaking wedding expenses into the gala budget. Last it all. Someone knocked on the door, and Gustav pushed the report away, grateful for the distraction. The fight could wait until the next budget meeting. Perhaps it would give him some leverage when arguing that Colette should be allowed to spend whatever she liked to host those affected by the Kraken attacks. Your Majesty should not be working. Dr. Batiste's bushy, white eyebrows rose in alarm when he saw Gustav hunched over his desk. Gustav shrugged. The kingdom won't run itself, doctor. And your body won't heal without rest. Now tell me what happened. Gustav left the desk and sat on his bed so that Dr. Batiste could examine him. The doctor was a short, portly man, 
and it was easier for Gustav to sit than for the doctor to stand on a chair. Your Majesty seems to attract trouble lately, the doctor scolded as he pushed Gustav's hair aside and checked his head. Two Kraken attacks are too many for a lifetime, let alone a few weeks. Gustav shrugged. What could he say? Dr. Batiste continued his examination, checking Gustav's old wounds and looking for new ones. He clucked to himself as he worked, creating a strange rhythm of vocal sounds that always made Gustav nervous. The doctor ruffled through Gustav's hair one last time, then stepped back and met his king's gaze. How exactly did your majesty get back to shore? Gustav tried to remember, but thinking back made his head ache. He rubbed his forehead. I'm not sure. I remember falling off the ship and waking up in the sand. The rest is a blur. Dr. Batiste clucked to himself again. He seemed to be weighing his words carefully, deciding how much information to share with his patient. That made Gustav even more nervous. Apart from the memory loss, your majesty seems to be in excellent health. You don't sound happy about that. The doctor swallowed. If I'm honest, your health is a little too good. Not only have you suffered no ill effects from a kraken attack and an evening floating in the ocean, but your wounds from the last attack have healed completely. What? Gustav hurried to a mirror and pushed back his hair. A thin scar was barely visible under his hairline. It looked like it had healed years ago, but yesterday it had been an open wound. Dr. Batiste shook his head at Gustav's questioning look. My best guess is that your majesty came into contact with some sort of magic. It seems to have had a positive effect, but our understanding of such things is incomplete. It would be best if you spent the day in bed and avoided unnecessary exertion. No, I need to go to breakfast. Now more than ever. If someone had helped him with magic, maybe they would be willing to aid the search for his father. He just needed to find the person who had rescued him. Your Majesty, there is no need. I've already arranged for a tray to be brought for you. As if on cue, a servant entered carrying a tray of food. Gustav shook his head. I appreciate your concern, Dr. Batiste, but I have an important matter to discuss with my counsel. He hurried out the door before the doctor could express further objections. Gustav understood the doctor's reasons, but he felt fine. Better than fine. Now if he could just remember why. Gustav passed an open window, and a breeze swept over him. It carried the scent of the sea, and Gustav's head cleared for a moment. There had been a woman and a song. He froze as the memory washed against him like waves on the shore. Her voice. It had felt like magic. Based on his quick recovery, it probably had been. Had she healed him somehow? Had the singer been responsible for delivering him safely to shore? Or perhaps that had been the mermaids. If they had saved his life, why weren't they willing to speak with him? They were the only hope Gustav had of searching for his father in the ocean. He needed to go back to that place. Kraken or not, Gustav needed to contact the mermaids. He sprinted through the castle and burst into the dining room just as the waiters finished serving the first course. The usual people were there. Colette and Dowager Queen Bernadine sat at the head of the table. Thomas sat nearby, translating for the Dowager Queen. 
Marquis Corbeau and Marchioness Rouge sat at the other end. Gustav had hoped to find more council members present, but those two were senior enough to approve a motion if they agreed on it. Although they rarely agreed on anything, so that could be difficult. But there were extra guests at the table. Three young ladies sat in the seats usually reserved for the rest of the council. They blinked at him with wide, expectant eyes. Gustav blinked back. Maybe he should have taken breakfast in bed after all. He hadn't expected grandmother to start matchmaking so quickly. He blinked at the ladies again and fought the urge to retreat to his room. It was too late for that now. Chapter 15 Fiora ducked into her grotto and studied the shell. As Madame Isla had said, the transformation song wasn't particularly complicated. It was rather long, but no more difficult than the Kraken lullaby. The Kraken. How could they accuse her of waking it on purpose? Did they honestly think she would do such a thing? Or that she was capable of doing it? Only Zoe had believed her, and Zoe believed the best of everyone. Fiora finished reading the shell and frowned. It contained the song to transform a mermaid to a human, but the song to reverse the enchantment was carved on another conch because this one had run out of space. The last line of text was a warning not to complete the enchantment without memorizing the counter charm and understanding the magic behind it. Perhaps this was a bad idea. If she didn't know the other song, Fiora would be stuck as a human. And she had no idea what the potential consequences of the transformation would be. But being human had been her goal all along. She had been willing to marry any man that would have her to achieve it with her ring. Now she could achieve it on her own. Why would she want to return to the sea when her own family didn't trust her? Because if she left for good, she would never know the truth about her mother. Fiora shook her head. As much as she wanted the truth, that knowledge wasn't worth risking imprisonment. If Althea truly believed she was responsible for waking the Kraken, there was no telling what the mermaid would do. She should go now. She should run while she still could. Before Fiora could act, the ground rumbled. It shook so badly that the statue of the boy toppled over. Fiora gasped as he crashed onto the rocks beneath the grotto. He fell slower in water than he would have on land, but the impact was still enough to chip his head and crack his arm. Are you all right? Fiora asked, not caring that it sounded ridiculous. She reached for the statue, but the rumbling turned into deep laughter that shook the ground. Fiora darted back into the grotto and curled around the shell and bottle of squid ink. The statue's cracked face stared at the surface, shaking as the earth quaked. The laughter became a voice. Well, fish boy, you've made a mess of things. It rumbled and shook the grotto as if the ground itself were speaking. Fiora pushed deeper into the shadows and held her breath. Who was that? Whoever it was, she didn't want to face him. I can hardly be blamed for this. Fiora's eyes widened as she recognized Leander's voice. Why was he talking to a stranger all the way out here? No? Well, you can't exactly be thanked for it either. This was a new voice. Soft and cold and feminine. Fiora resisted the urge to peek around the edge of the grotto to see who Leander was speaking with. It can be fixed, Leander said. I'll deal with things on land, the female voice said. I trust you can take care of one little mermaid. 
Were they threatening Zoe? If her cousin was in danger. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of Fiora. The royal family agrees with me that something must be done. Fiora shivered and pushed further back into the grotto. Rough stone pressed against her back as she flattened against it. Are you sure you can handle her? The deep voice rumbled. She's been nothing but trouble since she arrived. Everyone will be glad to be rid of her. Fiora pulled water slowly through her gills, breathing as quietly as possible. That sounded more serious than imprisonment. Did Leander truly want to kill her? Did her family find her that much of a nuisance? We'll talk again when you have something worthwhile to say, the female voice said. The rumbling laughter erupted again, then faded into silence. Fiora stayed hidden, listening to the muffled echoes of open water. Her heart pounded in her chest until she was sure that Leander would hear it and find her. But the ocean stayed quiet. When nothing interrupted the silence for some time, Fiora pushed her way past the broken statue that now seemed her only friend and peered into the garden. There was no sign of Leander or his mysterious companions. Just toppled statues and sunlight gleaming on mirrors. This was her chance to escape. It didn't seem right to leave the statue toppled on the ground. Fiora tried to lift him back onto the grotto, but the stone crumbled as he moved. She lowered him to the ocean floor instead. He stared up at the sparkling surface with stone eyes that seemed to understand her pain. Goodbye. I'm sorry. Fiora curled her tail to her heart in a bow, then clutched the conch shell and squid ink to her chest as she raced towards the shore. Chapter 16 Gustav, we didn't expect you out of bed so soon, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Dr. Batiste said you would need at least a day of rest, Colette said. Dr. Batiste just finished examining me. He said I'm fine. That wasn't exactly the truth, but it was close enough. No one questioned him further. Marchioness Rouge recovered her composure first. She waved at a servant and gestured to an empty place at the table. The waiters hurried to pull out a chair for Gustav. He sat, and they set a plate of food in front of him. Was anyone else hurt in the attack? Gustav asked. Colette shook her head. A rogue current pushed the ship to shore. The Delphinet needs repairs, but the crew is fine. Gustav smiled in relief. Unfortunately, he was facing one of the girls when he did it. She smiled back, looking pleased at the attention. Blast! Colette caught the exchange and grinned. Gustav, you remember my friend Kara. She spent several summers with us when we were younger. Gustav vaguely remembered a giggling crowd of girls gathering around Colette every summer. He had been too busy horseback riding and studying to spend much time with them. He looked at Kara again and tried to remember her face in the crowd. She had light brown hair and dark brown eyes. Not particularly memorable. Gustav's head began to ache when he tried to picture Colette's childhood friends. Maybe he wasn't completely recovered after all. Of course I remember, he lied. Welcome back to the castle, Kara. Kara flushed bright red and became very interested in her plate of food. Gustav raised an eyebrow. It was a shame that Colette was going to the trouble to introduce him to her friend when his heart was already taken. The thought caught him by surprise. He wasn't in love with anyone. Why had he thought he was for a moment? 
he stared at his plate until he realized his grandmother was trying to get his attention. Elaine is the granddaughter of Janine, a very dear friend of mine, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Elaine wore her blonde hair pulled into a tight bun that enhanced her unpleasant expression and piercing brown eyes. She scowled at Gustav, then seemed to remember she should look pleasant and tried to smile instead. Her face contorted into a sort of sneer before settling into indifference. It was very kind of Dowager Queen Bernadine to invite me to the castle, Elaine said. I do hope you don't find my presence intrusive. Her tone said she found his presence intrusive, and Gustav bit back a sarcastic response. She was visiting his home. If she didn't want to see him, why had she come? Kara blushed even brighter, seeming horrified at the idea that Gustav would find their presence intrusive. Of course it was intrusive. Three strange women had appeared at his breakfast table, and he was in love with someone else. No, that wasn't right. Gustav pushed the thought out of his head. He wasn't in love. He wasn't looking for love until he had found his father and had more time to consider the decision and properly woo his lady. Not at all intrusive, he lied again. I am delighted to have visitors. He would have said he was delighted to meet her, but he had no idea if they had met before or not. She didn't look familiar, but that didn't mean much. Again, his mind became hazy when he tried to think back to parties she might have attended. And of course your majesty remembers Lady Annabel, Marquis Corbo said. He emphasized Annabel's title with a self-satisfied grin. There weren't many noble families in Montaigne, so having a title meant significant wealth, power, and social standing. Which meant Gustav had likely met Lady Annabel before, although she didn't look any more familiar than the other two. She had hazel eyes and curly black hair that cascaded around her shoulders like thick smoke. Of course. All this lying was exhausting. Gustav would have to ask Colette about the girls later to make sure he didn't say anything stupid to them. Except Kara was clearly Colette's choice for his future bride, and it would be extremely rude to admit that he did not remember her and was not interested in getting to know her better. Gustav looked out a window, watching the ocean waves crash against the shore. He was used to having Colette on his side, but this time it seemed they had different goals. Lady Annabel giggled and fluttered a fan. It was too early in the day to be hot, so she seemed to have brought the fan just so she could flutter it flirtatiously. It is such an honor to be invited to stay at the castle, she said. I have attended every ball here since I came of age, but I've never stayed for more than a day. Of course I danced with His Majesty often on each visit. This last comment was directed at Kara and Elaine. Kara flushed even redder which Gustav had not thought possible. Elaine met Annabelle's gaze with a steady one of her own. Accepting the challenge? Or ignoring it completely? You will all have plenty of opportunities to dance with His Majesty at his birthday gala, Marquis Corbo said. This was getting out of hand. He couldn't let this continue when he was in love with someone else. Gustav cleared his throat. Actually, I won't be dancing with them at the gala. No? Lady Annabel asked, fluttering her eyelashes. Why not, Your Majesty? Because I've already found the woman I want to marry. Everyone in the room gasped. Gustav nearly gasped himself. What was he thinking, 
making such an announcement without discussing it with his council first. The council seemed to have similar thoughts. Marchioness Rouge pressed her lips together in a thin line and shared a questioning look with Colette, who shook her head slightly. Lady Annabel looked murderous. Elaine looked relieved. Kara looked ready to cry. Dowager Queen Bernadine and Marquis Corbo didn't look as pleased by the news as Gustav thought they would be. What do you mean you've already found someone? Bernadine asked. Yesterday you were completely opposed to the idea of marriage. Yesterday I hadn't met the love of my life. They all stared at him. Was it really so hard to understand? The doubt in their expressions gave Gustav second thoughts. Maybe it was crazy. A fog wrapped around his thoughts and whispered that he wasn't crazy at all. Didn't love always feel a little crazy at first? A woman rescued me on the beach yesterday. She's the one I want to marry. A warm glow built in Gustav's chest as he said the words. It seemed to agree with him. Gustav, there wasn't anyone else on the beach with you yesterday. You were alone. Colette's gentle voice was full of concern. Gustav scowled. She was there until you scared her away. She has red hair and blue eyes and the most beautiful voice in the world. I'm going to marry her. Kara sniffed into a napkin. Was she crying? Lady Annabel snapped her fan shut. You could have found her a day earlier and saved me the trip, Elaine muttered. Queen Bernadine and Marquis Corbeau shared a look. The warmth in Gustav's chest flared to anger. You're the ones who have been pushing me to get married. You should be happy that I've found someone. Of course we're happy, Colette said. But we're also surprised. Gustav, you've been through a lot. Perhaps you should go back to bed and rest. You don't believe me. Why don't you believe me? Why was he yelling? He never yelled. Especially not at Colette. But she didn't understand. She had never been in love, and she didn't understand. But what about us? Lady Annabel asked. Gustav shrugged. What about you? Gustav, mind your manners, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Your Majesty, be reasonable, Marquis Corbo said. You cannot ignore your guests so callously. These ladies have traveled a long way to meet you. I'm not the one who invited them. A small, sensible corner of Gustav's mind said he was being rude. The rest filled with fog and said everyone at the breakfast table was trying to separate him from the love of his life. Frustration built until Gustav knew only two things. He was in love, and he would say something he regretted if he stayed in this room a moment longer. Please, excuse me. Gustav hurried through the castle and ran through the gardens towards the beach. He was desperate to get away. Desperate to find the woman he loved. He tried to remember exactly what she had looked like, but the memory was hazy. Red hair. Was there gold in it or not? Blue eyes. Or maybe they were green? The only thing that he clearly remembered was her voice. He would know her at once if he heard her sing again. Gustav reached the beach and looked out at the ocean. The tide and wind had erased any footprints from last night, so there was no way to track where his love had gone. He half expected to see her standing there waiting for him, but the beach was empty. No matter. 
he would find her again if he had to turn the whole kingdom upside down. 